Christ. Well, let me see if I can get through two points tonight. It's about uh, time is. Yeah, that's good. At twelve o'clock, we should be through. Let's stand together for reading of the one word, one scripture in the book of Psalms, chapter one nineteen, one o five. Psalm one nineteen is the oldest, longest passage of scripture, longest chapter, longest book in the Bible. One hundred seventy six verses broken down in sections about the Bible, different words for the law and the Word of God. But 105, you there? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you've got a handout, you'll see a lantern in the middle of that page. <coughs> Using for illustration a lantern tonight of our Christian life. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Ready? One more time. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let me just go ahead and read another verse or two. I have sworn, and I will perform it, and I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Except I beseech thee the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me the ju- thy judgments. My soul is continually in thy, my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. May God help us to take to heart the writings of the Psalms. What a tremendous blessing they are. And then turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. I was saying about physical things, trying to get my vocabulary to work as it's supposed to be. But I've got two MRIs next week. And they're going to go inside of me and look at all my muscles, they said, and inside of my body. <laughs> you got all these on the outside, now they go on the inside. And then they're going to do another on my bone structure or something. And uh, so I'm looking for looking forward back to back MRIs. All God's people said, "Amen." Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, I decided I may have told Nancy I'm going to let a camera go down my throat. I'm going to get it myself. I'm going to take a few pictures of the inside, and then the muscles they talk about and what's going on down there, so I'll know what's happening. And then I'm going to get it developed to put it on Christmas cards next year. <laughs> I probably look better from the inside than the outside. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let's turn there, please, for just a moment. That sort of goes with what we're talking about tonight. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mountain. Chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. One more time. Let your light so shine before men that encompasses women, boys and girls, that they may see your good works. What would somebody say about your works if they were around you very long? Would they be good or bad? He says, I want to be glorified. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. May God help us to have that desire to do exactly that. There was an illustration I read years ago about a blind man who carried a lantern. And from that illustration, I developed this little outline. If you look down the left-hand side, it's got the word F-A-I-T-H on it. A number of things I've done for Bible studies. I just take the name of our church and it's impossible to live with God without faith. 
but this blind man has always had a lantern. And they asked him one time, why do you carry a lantern? You can't see. He said, because somebody may run into me, but they saw the light, they would not run into me. And they just give direction to those who may see the light. Even though I can't see where I'm going, I do it by feel, by, by, by habit, certain places. But he carried a lantern everywhere he went. Somebody asked another man, what's the most important light in your house? He said, the little light on the porch gets me inside the house. It's so important, that little bulb, just there, little bulb. Not a big light, but a little light, so let your little light shine for Jesus. All of us ought to, all of us should. Without a doubt, I, I don't think anybody disagrees with this statement. We made it already in one way this evening. The world is darker and darker and getting darker more in every day that we live. It's a dark, dark world. When I woke up the other day and Japan got hit with that earthquake, over 100 has been killed so far. I'm not sure how many is going to be in the total count. And this happens around the world. They said across America they're happening all the time, the rumbling across the underground of our, of our nation. Even though we don't feel it, those tremors are going on all the time. And one of these days is going to be a big one. I mean, probably bigger than we've ever imagined. When the Lord lets the earth quake, and they're groaning, they're groaning. The earth groans for the redemption in Christ. I mean, the Bible talks about the whole earth is in groaning. And it, every time the earthquake, every time the volcano uh, spews its lava up in the air, it's God's word teaching us the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. And probably if we just check all the earthquakes in the last year, you'd be surprised, and I would too, how many actually happen around the world. Some develop into tsunamis. Others are not as quite as big as that, but they do cause havoc. I think we had, well, we had one in Hawaii that destroyed just about that whole city, particular city in Hawaii, and uh, it happens every day. We must realize spiritually it's getting darker and darker, darker and darker and darker and darker. So what we ought to do, close our Bibles, go home and pull the shades, and hope for the judgment day. No, that's not what we ought to do. We ought to be able to about the Father's business because He said, Occupy until I come. Occupying the world in the Word of God doesn't mean to sit by loudly. It means to take position, be busy in the work of the Lord. Occupy in your position until I come again. I want you to be faithful unto death, and then I will give you reward in heaven. We must do more than curse the darkness. I've heard this for years, and I think burned in my own heart in recent days as I think about the Holy Scriptures and about Christ coming. We realize that uh, we curse the darkness, how bad it is. We talk about how evil it is, and the Bible does. And sometimes we spend more time talking about the bad than we do the good. All the bad things in the Bible that's mentioned is going to happen in the last days. And when, through the newscast, through the printed page, through whatever avenue the media gets the word out, uh, most of it's bad news. How many of you remember the Grit magazine, Grit paper? Grit paper? Let's see. Raise your hand real high. Some of the old, and you didn't remember, you never seen one. Grid paper. A lot of us who were older than the rest of us, when we were younger, used to deliver the grid paper. And it was always just good news. It lasted for a number of years, but I don't guess they still have it. They may have it. But uh, it was giving all the good news around the country and around the city. It's nothing but good news. And uh, you don't have too much of that nowadays. You've got more bad news. And if it weren't for bad news, there wouldn't be too many news stations. It's always talking about the tragedy, the heartache, this happened, that happened, or some particular thing that says to us the world is getting darker and darker. 
We are to be lit by God and be lights. He is the light, capital T, H-E, the one and only light. I am the light of the world. And then he says, I want you to be my light. You are the light of the world. He said, I'm the light of the world. You're the light of the world. We'll talk more about that at a later time. But we're fusing together with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the light of the world. And with that light, there comes truth. And with that light comes revelation. With that light comes the abundance of understanding more and more why we're here and what the purpose of our life is. And so we live our lives being lights for the Lord Jesus. How many times we sung this song? This is a light of mine. I'm going to let it shine until Jesus comes. Let it shine until Jesus comes. Ain't going to let the devil blow it out. I'm going to let it shine until Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine all over Canapolis. What town? Canapolis. Let it shine all over China Grove. China Grove. I'll oh, let it shine over Landis. I met a lady today. She's from Salisbury. I'm going to let it shine. I said, that's a foreign country, Salisbury. I'm going to let it shine until Jesus comes. It probably won't do much in Concord. They're too far gone now already. So. But you're going to let our light shine before we go. We are reflectors as the moon is of the sun. And all of you know that. You've been in church any length of time. You've heard that mentioned before. God put two big lights in the heavens. One was the sun to rule by day and the moon to rule by night. And the night light came from the sun, the moon. One day, one day somewhere on the counter of God, the sun would turn to black as sackcloth as hair. And it would darken portionally and not always at one time. But eventually the whole sun would be simply done away with. 93 million miles away uh, from our earth, if it was one, one degree closer or one degree farther away, we could burn up or freeze to death. But God knew exactly what he was doing when he put the sun in orbit at the dawn of creation in the book of Genesis. And that mammoth sun, that's 93 million miles away, and all the heat that radiated from it and the fire that's generated from it, some folks said, we believe that's where hell is. Well, I don't necessarily believe that, but it's mighty warm, mighty hot, and it's full of light, light and darkness at the same time. So much, so much heat is dark. And you can imagine what kind, but it still shines forth with light. And those rays reaching the America shore or world shore on a regular basis. Using the lantern that you have in front of you tonight as a theme, not for this year, but that we did several years ago, but to make an application to our lives. Number one, on the left-hand side, you see the word fervent, F-E-R-V-E-N-T. Over on the right side of that word, you'll find Romans 12, 11. So let's turn to the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 11. And then we want to, with the help of the Lord, define what it means to be fervent. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Be not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. What kind of attitude do you have serving the Lord? What should it be? Fervent in spirit. Say it again. Don't be slothful in the business that you're involved in. It's the greatest business in the world. If you be reminded by the Holy Ghost of God through the Holy Scriptures, we are stewards of the manifold grace of God. That means everything belongs to God. He's got the whole world in His hand. We sung it a while ago. He's got you and me, brother, in His hand. He owns everything you have. Everything. You have nothing. I have nothing. I came naked in this world, and naked I shall return. I don't have anything as it relates to materialistic things in my hand. If I admit that and say it honestly, it changed the way I live and, and, and run my life. 
He's the master. He's the, he's the steward. And we are, we are to take places as stewards in this world over all that he has and all that he's committed to us. He left us here to take care of his business. So he says, don't be slothful my business. If your employer was the Lord, how would you, do, how would you react? What would you do? Would you, would you cheat on the company? Would you sleep more than you should on the, on the job? Would you talk bad about the owner? If, if, he, if he is the owner of the business, he says, I want you to be fervent in spirit, but I want you to be, not be slothful in business. A business has to be taken care of. Life is full of that. And that's to be able to run things efficiently and to do it fervently. He said, serving the Lord. Then he goes on to say, rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. He says, I want you to be fervent in serving the Lord. So what in the world does that mean? I think we all probably got a definition. I jotted a few of them down on the page that was handed out. But if you look up the word fervent or fervency, it means to boil, B-O-I-L. It means to glow. If you do it biblically for for our thoughts tonight, is to glow for the Lord. And we ought to be like the word enthusiasm. Entheos. God in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There ought to be a degree of enthusiasm about us. And we all can't do the same thing. We're all not made the same way. And we all have a personality. But you ought to enjoy serving God. You say, what, 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 what if I don't have a job? I'd find one. Something to do for the Lord. If it's visiting shut-ins, if it's running a bus route, if it's cleaning buildings of the Lord, if it's repairing things, I'd find something I can do for the Lord. Lord, I'm doing this for you. And so when you, when you live for the Lord, I think it's in Ephesians about your boss watching you and you seeing what the boss knows, how you react, how you do on the business, his business. Would you cheat God? You say, well, I never cheat God. Would you, would you cheat a man? He wouldn't know any better. I mean, he's, he don't know any better. I've cheated him every day. But we don't cheat God. We shouldn't cheat man either. But the fact is, there needs to be that boiling, enthusiastic desire to glow for God. To glow for God. He is the sun, S-U-N. We are to be lights like the, the sun shines. So does the S-O-N shine. And may we shine as little moons, if a better way to put it, and be reflectors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go, you reflect the Lord Jesus. I don't think we understand that. I don't think we get a hold of it. And I'm saying we... Not saying you, I think all of us. We forget sometimes. How many times I've heard around here, and first time I heard it in a sermon was David Gibbs about we're ambassadors for Christ, and everywhere you go, are you making God look good? Are you? Am I? Do we make God look good, or do we fuss and fumigate? I went to Walmart today. That's enough to, you know, cause you to get mad. They didn't have any lanes that were available for checkout unless you checked out yourself. I know people do that, like to do that. I have a great problem as I've gotten older. Pray for me. Uh, there was one line had probably 20 cars. It was the only register open at Walmart. So I called the president of Walmart, the CEO, and talked to him for just a few minutes today. You thought that was true, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I said, we get the place. The only place you can check out is on either end of the, of the, the cash register. It's self-serve. Just go ahead and do that. I said, I don't like self-serve. I just like to lay it and I turn to them and take care of the business. And so I go down. I had to if I was going to leave. 
So I went down and found my credit card to buy a few things, but I couldn't find out where to put the credit card. Some of them you swipe down, some of them you stick in, some of the chips just lay it there, and it'll automatically do it. So I tried all of the above, and still I said, sir, I'm having trouble finding out where to put this credit card. I said, don't think your pastor's dumb. I could figure it out within a couple more days. But it's just the principal thing. We come a long way now. We're, we used to be served. Now we're the servants to Walmart. We're taking people's jobs away. Now it's not a spiritual matter tonight with me. I'm just saying I don't particularly care to do that. And then I went to eat and, and I'm trying to check out the meal and see how much it was. And then they got on the how much tip you're supposed to give. They're telling me before I even decide how much tip I was supposed to give. And I, I found this a long time ago. If you're going to eat out, be sure if you're a Christian to serve, be sure to tip right. Don't, don't do it like Barney Five and leave a quarter. Or leave a little more than that, at least, at least if it's sense. But you know, a lot of folks, when I was I used to go down to Ryan's Steakhouse, a uh, good friend of ours, uh, run the place for a number of years. And he told me, we said one day, leading lunch, and he said, you know, the best, uh, the best uh, Christians sometimes are not the ones you think are the best Christians when it comes to eating it out. He said, sometimes the poorest tips the waitress say come from people who profess to be Christians. Well, I know we can always do what we can do, but don't try to be stitchy about it. Some of them how they make a living to keep a single parent going. Sometimes their whole situation is dependent on what they make that day. Dr. Jack Kyle's taught us years ago about being servants. It's far better to give more than less. You can eat less and give more, or you can give more and eat less, or eat more and give less, whichever the case may be. He was eating a place and he left a tip. It was, I think it was just a sandwich and a cup of coffee. And he left a $25 tip. And the young lady had been sort of snappy with him when he, when he ordered. And she was sort of unkind. She just said, is that all you want? Is that all you can do? He tried to witness to her. Is that all you can say? Is that all you can say? He said, I just want to tell you God loves you. She said, is that all you can say? And she walked away. When he got up, he left a $25 tip for a $5 bill, for a $5 eating bill. When she picked up the $25, she came over to him and said, Sir, you left some money on the table. He said, Can't we give tips here? She said, Sir, I didn't talk too nice to you. She says, My husband just left me. My kids are in a mess. Problems everywhere. He said, I don't know how to face it. I don't know what to do. And he said, God loves you. Take the $25 as a, as a token of appreciation that you're willing to serve. See, it wasn't always the one who does the best job. Sometimes you get the biggest tip, the one who does the worst job. Now, that Brandon, he's in the Western West business. Do they come back here and tip the cooks? Very rare. Very <laughs> <laughs> You want us to make a march in front of the stores? Huh? That's a good idea. That's a great idea. Let's help Brandon. See, if we help him, he'll help us because ties will go up. All right. But yeah, be fervent to bull, to glow for God, and have a fire of excitement about us. You know, I, it's easy to work up excitement. I, I know this as a preacher. You can go into a church and work up excitement. I, I was in revival years ago. I was 19 years old in a Methodist church, Workman's Creek. West Virginia, down in Workman's Creek. And with service was going along and sort of normal service, it wasn't too exciting. 
and I'm not saying you judge his service by the excitement. The preacher got up and said, now listen to me. He said, there's not enough shouting going on tonight. He said, I'm going to count to three and we're going to start singing and you ladies better get with it. Now I'm 19 years old. I was raised in a you know, preacher's home all my life. I never heard it before. You, you better start shouting and you get this service cranked up. You don't always judge a service by the shout, how loud they shout. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Sometimes that's hypocritical, sometimes it's not. You can swing from the chandeliers and not be right with the Lord. But when you're right with the Lord, it's an order. It's always an order. It's always proper to, to rejoice in the blessing of the Lord. But sometimes, folks, sometimes their excitement is more on things of this world. Uh, I love sports. I, most of you, many of you do too. But it's easier sometimes to get excited about sports than it is as Jesus. After you've been in church for a while, it becomes old head. You become almost like a world. You're bored. You're you're bored with the things of God. Revelation chapter two to three talks about they ought to see in church. He says you're lukewarm, lost your enthusiasm. Other things are more exciting to you than the things of God. That can happen to any Christian. And several folks that I know Ridley are out there ministering tonight as preachers because they got tired and weary in the journey, and they lost their enthusiasm for the cause of Christ. And once they lose that, it's hard to capture it back. It can be. He wants you to repent and do that first works over. He says, if you don't, you're lukewarm. He says, you make me sick. Now, the only time in the Bible, well, maybe other times that God said it, but especially to the church, you make me sick. Lukewarm is not supposed to be enthusiastic about the things of Christ. And as we live our Christian life, I'm talking about enthusiastic about Bible reading. And sometimes it's not always a jump up and down time. Discipline is, comes from the word disciple. We're disciplined believers, disciples. Would you come and join our suffering? There's several passages of the Bible talking about the sufferings of Christ. Apostle Paul talked about his sufferings. He entered into a ministry of suffering. So living the Christian life is not just all, you know, excitement from the outside, the flesh, but it's that enduring, that the, the suffering that's taking place, the persecution, people not liking you, people repelling you. People calling you hypocrite. People making fun of you. People mocking you. And you just keep right on going. You keep right on going. And that's what the early apostles, they were different after Pentecost. Because you'll see it in the next word, the word anointed. After Pentecost, things changed for old Peter. Before Pentecost, he was denying the Lord, but eventually became the great powerhouse, powerhouse for the cause of Christ. Even though he and the apostle Paul sometimes disputed each other, they were used of God mightily to touch a world for the cause of Christ. Lukewarm, how about it? Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. So let's go back to this thing of glow. I jotted down the scripture, Philippians 3.10. Turn there, please, Philippians 3.10. And we'll quit here just a minute. I'll get through the first letter of the alphabet, F, fervent. But in the book of Philippians, one of the great little books of the Bible, in verse 10, What's that come after? What's it come? What comes before Philippians? What? Galatians? Ephesians? Well, I've got it marked right here, but I can't find it. Somebody took it out of my Bible. I lost two books at the house, Fred. 
found two books in my library while I've been reshifting books around. And they're called The Fred Factor. That's what I said when I saw it. But I told Fred I was going to give you one of them called The Fred. The Fred Factor required reading by before Judy. She probably needs to read that book. But anyhow, I'm going to find it. I'm not sure what tense he did with it, but there's somewhere in the house. Philippians chapter 3. You got there? Chapter 3 and verse, let's begin in verse 7. And what things were gained to me, they kind of lost for Christ. But what things were gained to me, those I kind of lost for Christ. You can read the previous verses, what he was willing to give up just to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yea, doubtless that I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all these things. All things, and no doubt them, and count them but dung or waste, that I may win Christ. There's a lot of stuff in that scripture. There's a lot coming from the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul. I gave it all up. Everything that I had, position, power, prestige, influence, rising in the political system, everything that he may have had. He was a Jew of Jews, born from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, he was a Jew of so Judaism to the core, very influential in what he was doing in life. But he said, I count it all loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. So you're really feeling sorry for yourself, Paul? He said, no, I count them as dung. That's body refuge is what that is. That's what a count it is. Make the comparison. I give it all up to suffer for Jesus Christ. As in why when Paul come down to die, I fought a good fight, kept the faith, finished the course, henceforth there's a crown of righteousness right me. Let's go to verse 10. That I may know Him. Circle the word know in the Scripture. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His what? Sufferings there. It's tough to get excited about suffering. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful God has allowed me to go through what I've been going through in recent days. I've not been the best camper in the world. I wish I were a better sufferer. But God will allow us to suffer for reasons. Sometimes for chastising, and then without a doubt that needs to be done periodically. But sometimes to identify with our Savior. Did not the Savior suffer? And then he tells, Paul says that I could suffer Come and go suffer with me. Well, that I know Him and the power of His suffering, the resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend for that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I have not reached my goal yet. But this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I fought a good fight, Paul said in Timothy's writings. I kept the faith. I finished the course. Henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me and not for me only, but for all the saints, for all those that love the Lord. He says, I'm glad. I believe on the day of his execution, when the history says, the Apostle Paul's head was severed from his shoulder in the province, the governor of Rome. And he, he went all the way to the hierarchy, the kings of the day, the potentates, all of them heard the gospel from the Apostle Paul, one way or the other. And when he went down to die, 
I think there probably was some regret in their own mind that they were getting away, doing away with him. But he caused a turmoil everywhere he went because he preached the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And it will do the same thing today. The reason why it's not causing all the turmoil is because we're not identifying with the sufferings of Jesus Christ. I close with this tonight. I'll come back to this same little charge you can vote up keeping your Bible. Faith on fire, fire of excitement, to glow for God. And I jotted down these words. We ought to glow for God. We ought to be able to know God, go for God, show God, and glory in God. We should know God, oh, that I may know Him, that I may go enter into His sufferings, that I may be able to show this world that I am a disciple, not by pretense, not by trying to impress anybody, just let you know that I'm for God and that it's for His honor, for His glory, that I may suffer for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fervency, fervency to boil, to glow for God, fire of excitement, and faith set on fire. I close. F, fervent. A, anointed. I, integrity. T, teach. H, honor. And conclusion, our wicks, which are our spiritual attitude, needs to be trimmed and ready for the service as we go over the material and preparation for this coming year and these coming weeks in this Bible study that we give attention to our light as our little light shining. So, Brother Paul, would you come and lead us in this little light of mine? I'm going to let it shine. Let's stand together, please.